Dark Shadows Literary Licensed Podcast Episodes. Ben Stokes here, exploring all things Collinsport, Maine, and following the likes of the Collins family, and the friends and foes, with your co-hosts, Tom Diamond, Jesse Fultz, Mickey Ray, and Keith Chalgo, Collins family, story about blood relations, literally. Welcome to the Trollicious Podcast in this Dark Shadows Week. We'll be covering episodes from February to March 1970, which would include episodes 941 to 982. Before we get started, let's find out who's with us. We got Vicky Ray with us. Hello, Vicky. Hello, everybody. And Tom Diamond. Hello, Tom. That's my bre- that's that's my Leviathan imitation. <laughs> so I thought I so I thought I'd give you that, but Vicky's looking at me like, "What the f?" So hello, everybody from the land of <laughs> smoking the dope. <laughs> All right, guys. <laughs> and I'm your host, Keith Shago. Before we get started, let's find out what we've been up to. Starting with you, Tom. What have we been up to? What have you been up to since last time we spoke to you? Uh, getting a <laughs> getting a. Um, um, Getting a uh, lower back shot for uh, a little nerve impingement that I have. Uh, the uh, and uh, so I'm kind of so I'm kind of resting that out. Um, I am uh, doing well, of course, in the uh, the PhD work. Uh, I had a number of interviews for a big shot federal agency. They offered me a job, but they want me to do it in Washington D.C. and I would have to move there. And regretfully, because I love Florida, uh, and Washington DC does not have the weather or, uh, the, and even the COVID status is going up. So I'm trying to broker with them for some kind of other deal and we'll see what happens. But if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. It's as simple as that. And I'm glad I got that far. And, uh, Sharon is doing well and we have a tentative, uh, date for I believe it's February 25th of next year for our upcoming nuptials and uh, congratulations thank you thank you very much and uh, I am uh, just uh, getting over uh, dark shadows bingitis from looking at all these episodes and just making it under the wire because uh, which we will of course discuss Um, let's see um Outlander's doing good. Sixth episode. I was mad because they didn't do. I the heard last a lot episode. of people aren't happy with this. Diana Gabaldon, the author, she isn't very happy with this season either. How come? I don't know. I haven't started watching it yet. I'm going to wait for it to get done and over with, and then I'm just probably going to binge it. I, I do think they kind of cheated the fans because they're giving eight episodes now, and they want to give sixteen episodes next year. And uh, I, I don't think that's right. Not these fans. Not for good. No, no, I don't think that's. I don't think that's right. I'm cool. Yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, what else? Uh, actually, I'm, I'm watching uh, episodes of Night Court. Uh, I love Night Court. That is the funniest. It is one of the funniest thing. shows ever. It seriously was. Oh my God! And and Mark, it was Marky Post. I like her, and I like the judge as well. He was good as well. 
Yeah, you know, Marky Post is gone. She passed yeah. away a few years ago. Yeah. And, John uh, Larroquette is the best lovable lech ever. I used to know an attorney that I worked with when I was in the state medical board that he was just, he had the personality of John Larroquette with the, with the sarcasm and the, you know, and, and putting everybody down while he smiles at them devilishly and uh, tall too, like Terry was. Uh, and but wasn't uh, it, didn't he die horribly? Ooh. Oh, Larroquette. Larroquette. Oh, I don't know. I don't know. No, it's Phil, it so, no, it's, no, it's Phil, no, it's Phil Hartman. I'm thinking of. Okay. Yeah, yeah, that's Phil Hartman. Yeah, and Who's Harry murdered? Anderson, of course. Uh, and my friend knew him from the International Magician Society. Uh, he passed away uh, from pneumonia complications, I believe, in 2016, uh, and he died young. Uh, but he was excellent. He's still alive, John Larroquette is. Oh yeah, I would yeah. think so. Yeah, I would think. Yeah, so. no, I was he's making only a seventy-four. I mean, it's not like he's. Oh, that's not that's antiquated not completely. But I, I love him. You know, I, I got him mixed up with Phil Hartman. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, Phil Hartman was mm-hmm. a tough, was a was a tough one. The, the Saturday Night Live curses in terms yeah. of the death. I know. Uh, but um, yeah, his wife so, murdered him. Something. Yeah, yeah. So that's what we're. Uh, and, and Ellen Foley, and- we interviewed Ellen Foley, yeah. and she was on Night Court. Oh, yeah, you did. Oh, wow. Wow. That's great. Yeah. I say she's going on tour. Yeah, she is. Good for her. She, Go, Ellen. She said that she sent me an email and said if there might, she might be coming to London, but I want tickets. And I said, sure. Hmm. That very, that'd be very interesting. Um, so... You know, so you know, keeping up with uh, with the new stuff. Uh, as I said before, uh, now Picard, the Star Trek thing. There's going to be a third season, but I hear it's going to be the last season. I'm a little surprised about that. Uh, but then, of course, they're starting Brave. Uh, what is it? Uh, the New Worlds thing, uh, which I talked about before. Uh, uh, Brave New Worlds, or something like that, with. Uh, the uh, Captain Christopher Pike crew, uh, and that's starting May fifth. So that should be so that should be interesting. Anyway, that's where I am. And with myself, Vix, what are you up to? Mm, not a whole lot. I've been uh, been trying to keep up with Halo. I'm really enjoying that series, even though I don't play video games. But I like the I like the TV show. Uh, I watched this weird Sleeping Beauty by uh, was it Perry Tiao in 2016. Directed oh, yeah, it. Yeah. And it's so weird, but I really like it. It's nice visuals and stuff. It's pretty demonically cool. It's a nice twist on Sleeping Beauty for those of you who like a little more demonic activity in your fairy tales. And I started watching Lore. I think it's on Amazon Prime. Oh, yeah, that's good. I like that. Are you liking it? Different... I like yeah. it too. Yeah, it's, it's kind of neat how they kind of examine, you know, all these these weird things that go on and stuff. And uh, I, they, they got, can you go, you know, what's the most overrated thing, cryptoid or whatever is the Sasquatch. They might as well have the Sasquatch channel because there's all documentary Sasquatch. And it's just a bunch of, you know, and I can say this because I live in the neighborhood, bunch of rednecks going out there drinking beer, scaring the shit out of each other. What's going on? Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's just like, come on. <laughs> Oh, I do also have to recommend, uh, and it's on Hulu, the Beatles documentary. Which yeah, was, that, that's been going on for a while. Was, it's okay. Yeah. I, you know what? I'm going to be an unpopular opinion here. Although I love the Beatles, I, I just 
think they're getting over it. It's so overrated. I'm so over the Beatles. Well, There's so many yeah, other people. But, I mean, they are supposedly the ones that was the game changer. There were a lot of game changers, not just them. Well, it's an icon. It's an icon. Yeah, I know it's an icon. But in my old age, I'm just kind of <laughs> laughing at myself like, why did I think that was so cool back then? Why did we? <laughs> well, because the Beatles, but by the time you were listening to music, the Beatles were like something right. your parents listened to. You know yeah, I, mean? I know, but I mean, it's just, I guess. It's I mean, I, I appreciate them because. I appreciate real- them, but I just get tired. I mean, I didn't. Re- you don't realize how intricate their songs are. Into, I mean, I was more of a Rolling Stone fan anyway. So, right. You know, in the well, 60s, I like everybody. I, it's not that. It's just that it's always about the Beatles. It's always about the Beatles. There's so many other people out there that just get a pass. That were I think it's also normal. because when they broke up, you know, they were only 26 years old. Yeah, they, they were broke kids. Up. It's they all were Yoko's young. fault. See Yoko's YouTube channel for her form of music. Hmm. I like some of Yoko's music. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's funny. That's funny. It's so bizarre. That's funny. Isaac, um, Isaac, Yoko is Isaac's. Um, yeah, that's what you're telling me. Yeah, it, she she sees Isaac for complimentary therapy. Yeah, but other than that, I haven't been doing a whole lot. My kids are taking me zip lining in the rainforest for the next four days. Well, that'd be, be fun. Interesting. Yeah, yeah. Had to sign mm-hmm. all kinds of paperwork in case I die, kind of thing. But mm-hmm. I don't know. What have you been up to, Keith? Well, yeah. I've been watching this fantastic show on HBO Max called Julia about Julia Child. Loving I kept it. Passing by it. Is it good? Oh, oh my God. It's the most fantastic show. What is this a, a series woman. or just the one a series? It's a, it, it's a series. I saw it's better the one than that Meryl Streep film. I saw the yeah, movie. It's a, it, yeah, yeah, no, wa- watch the series. Sarah Lancaster's Julia Childs is fantastic. David Hyde Pierce from Frasier and B.B. Newworth <laughs> are fantastic. James <laughs> Cromwell's in it playing Julia Child's dad. I'll check He's it out the- then. That's brilliant. I mean, I, I, you know, I watched it, and then I go, um, Isaac, you got to see this. You got to see this. And I just like, I don't even know who she is. Now, Isaac loves it as well. And every, and I got people at work watching. How does Isaac not so know who Julia Child is? Well, she, she wasn't, she's an American thing. She's not a, she didn't, have, she didn't go outside America. Oh, that's true. I thought everybody so, knew who she was. That's all. No. How is, how is Isaac doing? Oh, he's doing fine. Yeah, he's um, enjoying his two new jobs and stuff, and he's is he still in Spain or he back with you? No, he's here at the moment. Um, he's he's starting his own online yoga business, which is oh, good for him. Moment, so. Excellent, excellent. And he's dealing with pregnant women in yoga at the moment, so that's interesting. That's very cool. Yeah, right. Mm-hmm. Well, sometimes he de- when when he was doing his training, he was running around with a pregnant belly on, which was interesting in its own right. But <laughs> that's a story for another time. Yeah. But yeah, but he's doing fine. Yeah, he seems to be happy with himself, sort of good. thing. So. So, but yeah, so I re- highly recommend Julia and then, you know, Russian Dolls back. So I started watching that on Netflix, which with Natasha Leone. I forgot which, about that. They did come out. That's been like two years ago. Yeah. Well, COVID hit. And so they, right. they, so they now got the new episode finally done. It's and so now, brutal, if I remember correctly. Yeah. And, and this one's interesting, actually, because, you know, they kind of got back into the right time zone. But right. this one is that she goes back to 1982, and he's stuck in East Berlin in the 60s. 
Oh, no. So it's quite interesting, but he comes back as like a black woman, <laughs> and she's come back as like her mother. Who's oh no! Oh god, I gotta, I gotta watch the last few episodes because I totally forgot about that one. Well, to be honest, they give you a recap of the whole season, so I, okay. I, once you watch the recap, it's like, oh, you start, you remember? You, remember? you don't. You I'm might not, you might not have boys, to watch the boys patiently waiting for the boys. And what is That's this coming show? out in summer? Yeah. What's the name of the show? Russian Doll on Netflix. Oh, I've seen. Okay, I've seen the promos. Russian Doll. Okay. Yeah, it's good. I enjoy it. It's different. It's odd. It's a very odd show, but I like it because it's so odd. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. But besides that, um, yeah, I finished playing Ori, the Weeping Willow, and cried at the end of that. And so beautiful game. Ori is this game that um, won, won all these awards, and basically, you're like this light spirit, and you have to bring light back into the darkness of the world. But it, it's all done. There's no lines or anything like that. It's all done with orchestral music and I, you know, and, but it's very beautiful. So, so I finished that cool. and, and getting over my chest infection, which is now I got a normal voice as my last two episodes of this podcast. I, was I, was, say. I, so, I sounded a bit like Marge Simpson. So we should get my voice back. <laughs> yeah. You were but being yeah, really uh, quiet all week. So glad you're feeling though. Yeah, so I'm back at work and going back to normality, so that's quite good. You got yeah, you on the normal good. schedule, or are you going the double shifts? Yeah, yeah, I'm working from home Mondays and Tuesdays still, and then back in the office on Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. But all my clinics had to be canceled for the last six weeks, and now I'm have to, I have to make up and see all these. Well, my clinics are all doubled and tripled now, so gotcha. make up for the time. So, But it was okay, actually. It's basically, I'm doing a conveyor belt today, conveyor belt clinic. In and out, in and out, before they even sit down. Out they go. <laughs> out and out. Here you go. Here's your prescription. Bye-bye. Wow. So, the joys but, of social medicine. But saying that, I've got, they gave me, I got so many flowers and chocolates. And so it took me, I had to carry all that home. I don't think you're near as shitty as you let on. So. so they, yeah. Well, I mean. I think what it is is that because I'm American, I think they hire, they give me a lot of allowances because they look at me and they go, oh, bless, he's American. He doesn't know any better. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and, you know, and it does help that, you know, I tend to talk like with my normal voice, not my podcast voice, you know, so it's like, you know, I, you know, like a patient said to me, she goes, I, you know, I pay, for, I pay for your salary. And I, I said, well, love, I go. You know, you haven't worked for 50 years, so I'm paying for your lifestyle. <laughs> what can you say? But it's, I mean, it's, it's, it's okay. I mean, it's back to normality. And, you know, and, and, and I've now taken control of the department. So we're, I'm changing the department so it works better. So, yeah. So, so everything's good. Can't complain. So what we're going to do is we're going to cut to Fiery Kitten Podcast with their ad and take it away, Fiery Kitten Podcast. Are you itching for a good story? Laughter among friends, maybe even a mystery or two. Well, you're in luck. Fire Breathing Kittens is a standalone Dungeons & Dragons podcast. Each episode is a separate three-hour-long story, like a movie for your ears. So you can listen to these adventures in any order you like. So join us on a real play D&D quest as we solve mysteries, attempt comedic banter, and enjoy friendship. Fire Breathing Kittens podcast. Fantasy, action, mystery, friendship. Hello, welcome back to Literary Legends Podcast, and we're dealing Dark Shadows, February 1970 to March 1970, which includes episodes 941 to 982. 
and starting with season one, which is the Leviathan storyline. What we're going to do is we're going to go through a lot of Leviathan, but this will kind of finish up the Leviathan, and then we'll do the hanger on stories afterwards. Bruno threatens Maggie and David and warns Jeb he must fear the werewolf. Maggie is forced to open the Naga box and later make a revelation to Barnabas. Chris transforms into the werewolf and Bruno goes hunting to find the beast. The werewolf attacks Jeb. Angelique reveals to Skye that Barnabas is fighting the Leviathans. Josette's ghost appears to Barnabas. He orders Philip to steal the Leviathan box. Jeb forces Philip to arrange the murder of a suspicious investigator. After Barnabas bows to defeat the Leviathans, he is attacked by a bat. Barnabas is dismayed to discover he is under, again, another vampire curse. Nicholas Blair returns and orders Jeb to change to his Leviathan form. Nicholas forces Sky to choose between Angelique and the Leviathans. A jealous Angelique casts a spell to make Quentin and Maggie fall in love. Elizabeth traps Maggie in the tower room and Willie coming back from God knows where. And um, <laughs> I should say that he is now engaged to get married to God knows what. Roxanne. to release her. <laughs> Roxanne is the beauty. Roxanne. We don't know. We don't know her. He just talks about it. hasn't come her. yet. Nope. Roger learns to the imminent danger posed by the Leviathans. Something again threatens David. Chris and Sabrina resume their romance. Bruno decides to use the werewolf in an attempt to defeat Jeb using his huge hairstyle. Bruno learns <laughs> Megan has been bitten and tells Jeb to kill the werewolf. Jeb performs a ceremony to raise bodies from their graves to provide assistance. Jeb orders the dead man to kidnap Julia. Quentin is buried alive. The ghost of Peter Bradford vows to revenge on Jeb who apparently has killed Vicky um, Winters, uh, who is struggling with Philip. Angelique tells the ghost of Peter that she will destroy Jeb. Bruno refuses to help Jeb. Sabrina goes to Bruno in the hope of aiding Chris. Jeb pleads with Angelique. Chris attempts to rescue Sabrina from Bruno. The werewolf attacks Bruno. Angelique makes a suggestion on how to get rid of Nicholas. Jeb places a supernatural shadow of Nicholas. Jeb and Skye fight on Widow's Hill. Barnabas confronts Skye. And Jeb tears apart the Nophiathan altar. So, starting with you, Vicky, what are your thoughts with these? <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Better you than me. <laughs> There's that then. I mean, I honestly don't even know where to begin. There was so much to unpack there. But before I get going on anything, don't listen to other people that say the Leviathan storyline sucked. It's not. It's absolutely fantastic. I'm glad mm. that I got a chance to finally see it with my older eyes because I can't remember any of this crap from when I was a little kid. And I think it was, it, I just, it, it's kind of, I thought it was good writing. I thought, well, there's, you know, the, mm. the, the, the quirkiness that comes with this, but, you know, it's Dan Curtis. It's early, you know, TV. So, but I, I I don't even know. I mean, I, I'm still trying to get over that that uh, that he killed Vicky Winters. I mean, I, I yeah. don't. That was never. Was that ever foretold, or was this just written in? Chris Pen- uh, uh, Jeb killed Vicky Winters. Jeb Hawks killed her. Yeah, yeah but her. I this don't was, remember his name being mentioned ever before. It never. This. It was never in the original. It was never in the remakes. Uh, they wanted to get Roger Davis back as Peter Bradford because he okay. was 
Dan Curtis's Wonder Boy. And uh, interestingly enough, they don't bring him back as Ned Stewart, Sabrina's brother, because I think that character, nobody liked that character. He was a douche. Including Roger. Yeah, nobody liked that character. (laughs) Well, there's something a bit incestuous going on there. So it was kind of icky as well. It was was very icky. But I really thought this, this, and this, this, uh, Angelique has finally found what she thinks is happiness. Yes. And being what, you know, Sorry. Dan Curtis is to Dan Curtis and, and being a soap opera and all, this is not going to last long. Then you got Barnabas, the nerve coming to him and asking her for mm-hmm. help mm-hmm. after all of these things that transpired. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and you do feel so. I did. I felt sorry for uh, Angelique because here yeah. for the first time, she's trying to find a normal life with who she thinks happy, is a yeah. normal guy. Yeah. And she's very, and he's a rich guy. You know, I mean, she's not going out with the bargain, Gimbal's bargain basement over there. And uh, she, you know, and she's, and she's, and she tells him, get out of here. Let me leave my, let me leave well, my yeah. life. Julia first. Say, Julia get, first get the hell out of my house. Yeah, Julia first finds her. Is Barnabas actually going gray or the aging? Okay, that's a great question. What they decided to do after he became a vampire again was to start to make him gray in the with the with the with the back bangs and right. with the sideburns and stuff like that. I personally did not like that. I don't uh, either. Yeah, I, I think it was what uh, what I believe they were trying to do was to mimic because again they're stealing from all over the place. Right. So if you remember the Universal Horror Cycle, you've got Lon Chaney and Son of Dracula, right. who's all gray like that. You've got John mm-hmm. Carradine in House of Dracula, right. who's also gray like that. Sometimes you have Christopher Lee in a couple of gray scenes. So I right. think that that's what they were trying to imitate. Well, so that's what they were trying fell to do. Flat. Because I kept looking at it, and then I was watching some again last night. And mm-hmm. I go, damn, I go, Barnabas is looking like hammered shit all of a sudden. This is like, yep. what's going on? I was wondering looks- if he was having a sick, was he sick during this time? Or were they making him look like that? Well, He looks very tired through most yes, of this Yes, well. exactly, exactly. Very drawn. Well, he went through a lot of stress, first of all, being, if you think of it, being the Leviathan leader and having to do things that he really uh was was against his personality you know he's also a vampire he's also the leviathan person you know yeah yeah and then you know and then then of course it was great when he decided well the big the big change was i think was in the last block that julia was they wanted to kill old julia and that was when barnabas turned and decided he said hell no he goes no you can't do that and they said do what you're told and that's when he decided to to shift but i think one of the one of the things of and of course uh chris uh, made Barnabas a vampire by calling a bat from hell and putting him in right. a little animal cage. So we got a nice little cute, cute look at that. And uh, that kind of, that was kind of like a super vampirism because nothing Julia did uh, with the injections was able to help yeah, him. It's just time. getting worse as the, as the, the plot goes on. And the blood yeah. is going, you know, and that's... Bruno continues to sport god-awful hair. I don't understand <laughs> what it is with Peter Strong. It's like, it's like, where'd you get the hair helmet? He's got a hair helmet. 
Yeah. I know. I was texting. I keep texting Keith. I go, "What the fuck is going on with Bruno's head?" I don't know. <laughs> those, those, were those cashmere jackets that he was wearing, oh. or something like that? Oh, that uh, was wasn't that? Didn't he have like a fur coat on that was yeah. supposed to be very sexy and sporty back in the day? I think it was cashmere. He just looks very. He just looks very creepy. That's the he thing about creepy. it. Right? And he, uh, but I bet you they just they make him look creepy. They give him shitty, creepy parts. I don't. I don't know if I could handle him in a nice part. Well, well the ahead. funny thing about it, though, he, they got him dressed like he should be a really cool guy, but he's kind of like, you know, those people at school who think they're cool but they're just not. He's like that. <laughs> Like, oh, you know, they walk around like, I'm so cool. And you're looking at him like, no, you're just an asshole. And he's yeah. kind of like that person, mm-hmm. isn't he? And you're like, oh. And of course, the thing with Josette should be mentioned because here's an interesting uh, takeoff where uh, he, uh, where Barnabas calls a seance uh, to bring Josette back. And, uh, you know, what's going on here? And this time she actually gives him back the ring and says, Barnabas, we had our time. Let's now move on. You deserve somebody nice. You know, and of course, because the Leviathans had tricked Barnabas into thinking that she they were holding there, Josette yeah. hostage. When in actuality, from the actual scene that we saw in the uh, flashback, uh, she took poison. Mm-hmm. So she comes back to say, listen, I took poison, but listen, let's move on. And this pisses him off also against the Leviathans because right. he realizes he's been manipulated. Um but I, but I think it's, uh, you know, this, this nonsense with the ghost of Peter Bradford was, was not well explained. How no, we, it wasn't. It was really, it was really random. There was no flashback to see. It was inserted randomly as right. far as I was concerned. There was this, there was no flashback to see how, uh, Peter Bradford pushed, uh, not Peter Bradford, how, uh, Jeb pushed, uh, Vicky off the, uh, you know, uh, yeah. The, oh, yeah. And she was supposed, they were supposed to, at one point, they were supposed to be out west, you know, having a yeah, new life. Yeah, like, what happened? So, well, you, you know, it's kind of funny, though. It's kind of, it reminds me of that thing that happens in soap operas. You know, like when an actress leaves and they go, okay, well, maybe one day you come back. And then right. something happens and that actress pisses somebody off. And so, oh, fine, we're going to kill her off screen so she can never come back. And that's what it kind of felt like. So, you, you know, like, you're watching a soap opera, it's like, okay, fine. And it's like this character just left, you know, she moved on. And all of a sudden they killed her off. And then you just get like a one sentence of, she's dead. And then they move on with the story. And you're like, right. did I just hear that right? And that's what it felt like. Because uh-huh. the thing is, if you, if you weren't listening, you miss it. It was like one, it was like, Victoria Winters died. She, um, Jeb pushed her off Widow's Hill, and then they move on with the story and never mentioned it again. So you're like, right? I mean, I rewound. It was like, what? That's what. I, that's <laughs> what I was like, going, what the hell? And on top of that, you think you're going to get past stuff, but here you got Angelique cursing Quentin and Maggie to with the, the little tattoo things that, going. That on is again. once again a rehash of Jeremiah and Josette. Of course. And I didn't, and I, I didn't understand why she would do that. That didn't make sense. Why she was? I doing know that's that. what I thought. One of you boys might like, be. What's that about? Tell me what I missed? Because I don't understand. I know she was mad. Who was she mad at? She took it out on those two, and she wasn't even mad at either one of them. And and the thing is, I think she it had something it, to but, do with the Josette thing again. Yeah, uh, but it was, but it was only for ten like minutes. Josette. Yeah, but no, it was only for ten minutes. Doing, well, for ten minutes, because then I jumped into that other timeline, but. 
Well, no, what happens is this Quentin and Maggie thing happens. It happens for 10 minutes. And then, I don't know, something happens, spell goes off, and they're like, oh, 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 oh no, that didn't, like, that didn't happen. And then, then, and then the story goes on, and then it moves forward. And they never go back to that. And you're like, well, that was weird. What was that about? <laughs> and, and this, like, by and the then, way. I know, they, kept, they couldn't keep their hands. Have you noticed that they're not, I want Kate to use the word sexualized, but there's a lot more kissing going on in this block that yeah. we saw pri- previous episodes yep. like Carolyn yeah. and, and, and um, they're, Jeff. they're sucking face like crazy. Yeah. And then you got Maggie and, 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 uh, and Quentin, Quentin which I like would crazy. not have a problem with at all, but <laughs> I'm just saying there's just a lot more sexuality going on in this 1969 mm-hmm. era. So. And I think they're trying to, you know, cope with the fact that there's a lot, uh, you know, the blues or morals that are going on at that time. And uh, shadows is trying to compete with that. There are two things that I really like, uh, but in this particular scene, the return of Nicholas Blair, yeah, yeah, that was good. So I, I love that one. <coughs> and they even grayed him up. They gave him a great, you know. Now yeah, they did him. kind of make him a little grayer. Looks like a judge. I think about it. He looks like mm. a judge, and 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 he, of course, <laughs> he's wearing different. A clo- you know, he, he used to come in looking like a leprechaun with that bright green suit and everything like that. But now he's wearing much uh, more severe colors. And uh, he's wearing that uh, that he's wearing that coat with a fur collar, which I thought was which I thought was cute. But Humperdown is straight out of all the roles that he played. And he's going to play a few others uh, on this before we come to the end. But Nicholas Blair, as far as I'm concerned, was the best. And uh, he, he was masterful again. You see a couple of scenes with him ordering Angelique around. You see Angelique getting a little revenge when she realizes that Nicholas does not have the powers that he did. Uh, the, the first shadow. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> the I got to tell you about that shadow. <laughs> shadow. Oh, my God. So Sharon, my uh, fiance, when we first saw the shadow, she thought it looked like a monkey. And then we were talking about uh, the Peter Sellers, Peter Panther films. So all of a sudden she started calling it a minky. And so every time we saw that shadow, oh, there's the minky, you know, (laughs) and there's, (laughs) <laughs> well the, the, the funny thing about the shadow changes is that you kind of got this missile man with his arms up sort of thing whatever that whatever that's supposed to be mm-hmm. and then it changes to the human form but it's like it's like they forgot to do the hand on, on like the right hand side so basically it's like like a cut off hand it's like a cut off arm so you got to cut off arm with his other hand like looking up like moving across the screen uh, yes, kind of bizarre. Yes. Oh yes, yes, yes. Well, no, there were. I mean, it. I mean, what what a honeymoon killer that is. <laughs> which we'll get, which we'll get to Carol when we get to Carolyn and Jeb's storyline. But it's like, oh my god, <laughs> he's such a maniac, though Jeb is. I mean, I, I, I don't. I, how, he's not ADHD. He's very childlike in his manhood, I guess. And Always could he worse. mess up Carolyn's hair enough? Well, he's. I mean, to be honest, I mean. I think he's playing the character right because he oh, is a man. Oh, he's doing a fantastic job. He did. He's a man. He's a man child, really, isn't he? I mean, he has yeah. a yeah. normal yes, childhood. Yes, he is. So, and he like stamps his foot when he doesn't get what he's wanted, and yeah. I mean, I mean, and in the in the sixties, you know, he'll use, "Hey, that's a cop out, man," uh, in the language. <laughs> 
That's a cop out. That's you know, it's uh, kind of yeah. funny because I listen when you bring that that verbiage up. I kind of think it's funny because my daughter started saying "right on." They all say "right on" now, That's and right everybody on. looked at me like I had three heads. I said "right on." Those kids looked at me like I said something funky. I go, "We've been saying dope and right on way before you were an itch in your daddy's pants." Okay? And I have <laughs> to tell you, I have to tell you mm-hmm. that if, if that with some people would really turn around when they realize that right on originally comes from Shakespeare. It comes from mm-hmm. Julius Caesar. Uh, the Sturman's blood, I speak right on. I tell you that which you yourselves do know. So Did the not next, know that. Very cool. Yeah, so the next time they go ahead saying, oh, man, right on. 60. No, right on oh, is Shakespeare. Shakespeare. Right on. 1600s. So there you well, go. You know, I also think that when you're talking about the style of Bruno and Nicholas and stuff like this, I also think the I think what it is basically is that we were in 1892 for what about seven months, right? Mm-hmm. 1897 wasn't that about right. seven months worth of programming? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Easy. And Easy. and and so by the time we got back to modern time, it's like the world has moved on and all the styles have turned moved on really quickly. So it's like. So we, because if you notice, That's everyone true. has That's a, true. everyone has a different style of dressing. I mean, Carolyn's dressing totally different than she did when we went before we went back in time. Um, even Elizabeth's daughter is in a totally different, you know, dress sense and everything. So mm-hmm. it's kind of so, so. That's why I think it seems a bit more jarring because it's like, oh, here we are, modern times. We remember modern times, you know, from when we were in modern times at the time before they went back in time, and it's like, but but this, but I think this. Um, the designs and the clothing just changed radically within that time yeah. frame. Yeah, I think so now right. when we're in modern time, it's like, whoa. Because even like Carolyn's hair, I mean, she went from one hairstyle. Now that we're in modern time, now we got the center and the parting and the ironing of the hair downwards. You know what I mean? Which is very of the time period. But before we went back in time, her hair wasn't like that, you know? No. Well, she still had, like, the little the fringe and the little wavy hair. You it's know, an interesting development wings. as you see through the years how much they've really, really changed. Let's not forget Sheriff Davenport, by the way. Right. <laughs> that poor slob. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but you know something that's Dead very Ryan. heavily influenced by Night of the Living Dead. If you look at his makeup yes. when he comes back and exactly. that's Night of the Living I was, Dead. Yes. That was driving me nuts because I couldn't remember, and I going god where have i seen this before why i'm trying to figure out who he's stealing from and you're exactly right you're yeah, exactly if you look right. if you look at the color photos from night living dead when they were filming it it's exact the same exact, exact makeup you are 100 correct yeah and so so they're really cool that's quite cool i liked it though i think i like it a lot i just feel bad for the sheriff because man you know every time he gets to go into rest in eternal eternal sleep someone wakes him up again. <laughs> It's like, uh, oh, so, dang it. And we, what is, I mean, let's talk about Bruno. He's like <laughs> a Bond villain. You know, like, you know, you get the Bond, like, you know, Dr. No, and he's got his cat, and he's rubbing his cat, and going, yo, Bond, I'm going to do blah, 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 blah. And then, of course, James Bond's able to fight him because he knows exactly what's going to happen. And that's Bruno. Bruno's like, I'm going to do blah, 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 blah. He exacerbates. Like, how did I get defeated? Because you just told everyone what you're going to do. Okay. <laughs> Well, the whole thing is he's like the, the ultimate villain who just keeps talking too much, you know? And it, well, I mean, I could fight. My mother could beat him up the way they fight. Well, look at, I mean, but look at Sky. I mean, Sky, I mean, he's a pussy as well. Oh, <laughs> like, 
I'm sorry. With the exception, maybe there was one scene, and I'm forgetting where it was in this block, where he actually did, I think, some decent acting. But Bridges other than, the key away? Yeah, I think so. I think, yes, yes, that's the one. And I thought, well, there he's, you know, he's he's coming out of, you know, coming out of that soporific soap opera uh, mentality. Uh, but he really was, um, you know, I think I, I think it was a I think it was a real miscast. And uh, I well, mean, I you know who it reminds me of? Do you remember Andrew McCarthy, who was in all those Brat Pack movies in the eighties? Uh-huh. He always mm-hmm. he always looked like he was constipated when he was acting. It's in right. that's what this guy looks like. He always looks like he's constipated. It's like <laughs> he's got that look on his face. I think like, he went on to play in the Young and the Restless and a couple other various shows. Yeah, he, yeah, he went on to other. And he's, he's got really beady eyes as well. Yeah. But he's not a like, good oh. villain. He always plays a nice guy in the regular soaps. He's just not, he just doesn't have that cutout of super villain. Oh, the best is when he comes in and goes, I'm Angelique. I've got a, he's with the fire. And, and Angelique's kind of looking at him like, what are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> really? <laughs> really? <laughs> Angelique. I'm gonna burn you. Ugh. Yeah, with that torch. I would have kicked him. And he's like, "Fine, where's my doll?" Okay. <laughs> I think there's a point though that, that has to be realized, and that was a, a kind of a nice thing on the part of the writers that uh, Sky, that Angelique thought that Sky was the answer to all her problems, as we said before, and she could, uh, you know, and now she could live a normal life, not realizing that Skye had made a deal with Mr. Strack all those mm-hmm. years ago, and Skye is a leviathan himself. And I think that was the thing that really hurt her, uh, hurt the character, because they had this, uh, we'll, we'll never keep secrets from each other arrangement. And guess what? Yeah. That was the worst secret of all. So I think that was, uh, so I think that was, well, you know, I think that was uh, a, a well played, I think on the, uh, you know, on the part of the road. Oh yeah. I quite like that storyline. Mm-hmm. I, I quite, you know, I, and, and to be honest, I don't mind Sky at all. It's just that he's just kind of, he just one of those characters for me. He's kind of there to move the story forward. Yes. And that's yeah. it. You know, yeah. just, you know, there's nothing he's heavy and he's a heavy. Turns into a heavy in the end, you know? right? Right. Yeah, but he's kind. Of, but he's kind of like a Bruno heavy, where it's kind of like everything he touches goes to crap anyway. So no matter what he does, he never does any. You know, he's gonna go. You know, you think he's gonna do this and this and this, and he just never. He, he's all talk and little action, <laughs> kind of thing. Yeah, I exactly. find him. I guess exactly. One thing I'm like I'd... Bruno. <laughs> Bruno's is so busy telling everybody what he's going to do that he never actually gets around to doing it. Is, is then, he just he, a well? Is he? A, would you say Bruno is a well celebrated lackey? Yeah. Well, considering his Aristide uh, stint back in eighteen ninety, well, he was still Bruno as Aristide. I mean, I mean, he's just, it's the same mentality. They didn't. Get you know what? He, you know what he's like, and he, and he will be in parallel time. As right. Right. But he's like he's like a you know like Willie was kind of bumbling, but there's something lovable about Willie. Right. Or Bruno. Bruno's there's nothing lovable. Bumbling. There's nothing lovable. And he's just bumbling. I mean, the thing is, I liked him as Armistead a little bit. But, you know, in the beginning, I liked him because I thought Aristide. he. This is I've quite Aristide, interesting, yeah. Aristide. Yeah. And Bruno is just kind of like, it's like he comes out and you're like, oh god, because 
He's gonna threaten he, everybody, and it's gonna take. He's gonna threaten everything. And, and then and then it's and then it's, and then he's gonna mess. And then he's not gonna be able to do it properly anyway. I mean, look at the werewolf situation. He's like, you know, he's whip, he's whipping, he's whipping the werewolf sort of thing. Oh, that's like, a, that that <laughs> that that that's great. I mean, and he wasn't even touching them with the uh, uh, with the whip. You know, that was yeah. That was I'm gonna scare thing. you with the whip sounds. Yeah, snap, you hear snap, those? Snap. <laughs> well, he was hitting them. Yeah. but then but then he goes and then he goes okay jeb go in and see the werewolf you know it's like go in, i'm gonna lock the door behind you and then of course you know and then he leaves like the, but then he leaves the whip with the silver tip on it's like, that's okay. right so that's how we can avoid being killed at that point but you know, the whole so thing is now so he's using regular bullets he substituted regular bullets for silver bullets but the regular bullets still seem to wound him uh, the werewolf pretty badly, and it was my right. understanding that regular bullets do not affect werewolves at all. It's the silver bullets will, of course, will kill right. him, but the regular bullets will not affect. But they had him; they had him wounded as a result of the regular bullets. And for the rest of the night, he was crying. And I think Quentin found him, and you know, and uh, just before he turned into Chris, and and they, there's a nice scene of I know what you've gone through, you know that kind of you know that kind of thing. And remember, you know, when they ever they have these conversations, Quentin and Chris, he, he Quentin's talking to his great grandson, and that's something that they never. So they don't expand expand on that. Like there's no affection, right. which I find really weird. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, to be honest, um, but if you think of the simple fact that this, his son is gone off to live in some kind of institution somewhere, so Quentin doesn't have any responsibility or has any fatherly thing to him anyway. Quentin never would raise, Quentin never was going to raise him anyway. No. Well, I thought it was the but daughter that, that came from. The son died. Quentin's son originally in 1897 died. Yeah, it's a daughter, but but he's not it's raising the daughter. daughter. The daughter's still away in some kind of institution, isn't she? Okay. Did she die? Okay. No, 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 the son died. Like, Thomas, no, son uh, died. Tom is right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah the, the son, son died, and the, and the daughter, which is Chris Jennings' grandmother or great-grandmother. But Quentin doesn't, I mean, Quentin's not raising her. She's being raised by the institution okay, right, or whatever right. institution she's at, isn't she? So, yeah. so the, maybe that's the reason why, because but Quentin was never a fatherly type anyway. That's true. But then there's really no effort to establish a relationship between the two. And I think if it, if it had been, it would have been interesting. Now, mm. when we start to discuss parallel time, we now see that Briscoe plays Chris Collins. And so he is an actual member of the Collins family, and he handles the uh, the estate, uh, just the way Dirk Wilkins handled the estate in 1897. Uh, mm. So there, there's Chris Collins is a normal guy. So there, there's a we finally got you into the family because uh, in in regular time, uh, Chris Jennings is the black sheep. Literally, oh, he's more like the black wolf. Uh, but, you know, and that's why I like Parallel Time once we get into it. What did you, are we talking about Megan being a vampire in this? Uh, in this yeah, show? Megan, de- yeah, which is kind of bizarre, really. 
I mean, mm-hmm. it's an interesting well, choice. Well, she served but... a purpose. Were they just trying to exit Marie Wallace a little quicker for the next storyline? Well, well, she hasn't really exited, though. I mean, she kind of just, she doesn't really move anywhere. She kind of just disappears because they don't kill her. Yeah, they do. She's going around. Yeah. Do they kill oh, her? No, no. Well, they stake her. Uh, Willie stakes her. Willie stakes oh, her. Oh, okay. Because, Sorry. Because I, you, I got, you got, you got, you got, um, yeah. um, because that um, behind her going, go ahead, do it, do it. Why do I gotta do it? Well, I don't <laughs> have the upper body strength to do it. Oh, uh, okay, yeah. Now, now I remember. Yeah, it's just like oh, mm. fudge, you know. I mean, it was interesting seeing Willie come back, I and mean, he's gained a little bit of weight, a little bit. He's a bit more fuller in the face. They were trying to figure out what to do with Marie Wallace, and the story is is that the day after she was staked, she got a call from. Uh, another world Somerset, I believe. And oh yeah. So she started her next role there and she was doing very well in her role there. And dark shadows had an idea to bring her back as Maggie's sister in parallel time, but that never worked out. Oh. That never worked out. I know they, they were talking about, about Maggie was being with her sister. And you heard those. Well, later on, and this is in the next part, you'll, you'll, you'll hear her on the phone talking to her sister in parallel time. And that was mm-hmm. supposed to be played by Marie Wallace, but uh, that didn't work out. Shame. So I believe it turns out that this was her last role on Dark Shadows. Yep, that was her last role. I love her because you know what? She's probably one of the most beautiful women. Well, they're all beautiful, but there's just something wild about her. She's, well, she's very, um, she's very voluptuous as well. Which Maybe that's what it is. She's got she's that. She got the old woman look. Yeah, she's got. She's very. She's got a lot of sex appeal. She definitely the only, does. The only problem with her characters, though, and this has nothing to do with her whatsoever, is that she has really exciting characters. All the characters that you see her do. But the endings of her characters are kind of not that exciting. Lase. Yeah. Mm-hmm, you had mm-hmm. like, you know, like when she was Adam's bride, you got like this great big storyline. Yeah. She's fantastic. And then gone. And then, right. you know, then she's running around Collins, you know, as the ghost and all that stuff. And then disappears. Jenny. And then in this one, again, it's like she's really interesting. Then she disappears for a lot of episodes. And then we got her back as a vampire. And then it got really interesting. And then gone. And it's kind of yeah. like, you know, I just thought that they could have made more, more with her. They could have done more with that vampire bit, definitely. I would have liked to have seen the storyline go a little bit more. Oh, I think she was a great vampire. And even she talks yeah. about it to this day. And I, uh, you know, she bit Sky, and then she bit Roger. Oh, yeah. Know. She was going through everyone. I mean, yeah, she, there's I mean, nothing stopping her. She's like, fuck, you know. Excuse my language. She's like, fuck you. I'm, you know, you're not, no one, I got up, you know. They thank you, Barnabas. They wanted to uh, give her the injection. She refused. She said, no, I kind of like who I am. Yeah. Uh, And that's what I liked about her. She's kind of like, you know, Barnabas bites her. So it was like, oh, my God. And all what we normally get. She's like, thank you, Barnabas. This is great. I'm I'm ready to go. And I like that. Yeah, that's what I like about Marie Wallace's characters because you think, oh, okay, it's going to be this, but it's always something different than what you expected. You know, like when she comes back as Eve and you think, oh, I'm Eve, you know, okay, oh, she's going to be one of these. It's like, no, I'm Eve. I'm going to take over. Screw you, Adam. I'm, I'm like, she's just like such a modern woman in everything that she does. You know, even when she's Megan and, she, you know, the Leviathan storyline starts and she's like, oh, Philip, I love you. And then it's like, I'm a mother now. You, you can screw off, Philip. I don't care what happens to you. 
I and know. that's what I love about Mary Wallace. That's what makes her fantastic. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Um... Yes, which is Carolyn and Jeb, which is his own saga. Barnabas warns Elizabeth that Carolyn must go away from Collinsport immediately. While she is in hiding, Carolyn has a nightmare about Jeb. Jeb decides he wants Carolyn to be his partner willingly. Nicholas declares that Jeb and Carolyn must be married in another type of physical form. In a dream, Barnabas informs Carolyn that her father was murdered by Jeb. Carolyn and Jeb go back and forth with their emotions. Jeb marries Carolyn. Jeb and Carolyn's honeymoon is threatened by shadows, causing them not to have a good night's sleep. They return to Collinsport only for Jeb to say he has made a mistake. Yeah. So we have the relationship of Carolyn and Jeb, which is the most bizarre relationship I've ever seen between two people. <laughs> it is very bizarre. First she hates him, then she loves him. Now then they fall in love in a matter of 24 hours. Mm-hmm. You know, and then he's just He's well. He wasn't. She supposed to be a, a broodmare for the, you know, the the Cthulhu or whatever the hell. Yeah, supposed yeah. To they were supposed to. to. They were supposed to both turn into their original forms and mingle and mangle and stuff like that. But he ruins that by ruining the altar. So Jeb is not even human now. And there's no reason to be honest. There's no reason for Jeb to be alive, but he is. He's actually uh, Jeb is human now. He's not inhuman anymore. And the, yeah. the reason that he's the, the the reason given is because his love for Carolyn is so strong that it's keeping him there. Just like once again, we've got a takeoff on Jeff uh, Jeff Clark, Peter Bradford, and Vicky. Why was Jeff yeah. Clark so uh, along so uh, you know so long? Because his love for Vicky was keeping him in the 20th century and finally mm. he had to go back so this again is like a kind of a takeoff and uh but, but the thing is i could believe jeff clark's love for vicky it's really kind of hard to think that jeb loves anyone by himself that's a, I, you I know think, and i, I think extremely infatuated with her and i really do and that's I, what yeah. but that's the i think the problem basically is is that we got him in child form being infatuated with her and then of course mm-hmm. he becomes an adult overnight so there's kind of like that you know it's like it's like a child being in love with his babysitter. <laughs> that kind of feeling about it, even though he's an adult now. I got to give Chris Pennock a little credit, though, because he was really, he had a difficult job, I think, of, oh, yeah. of, of balancing uh, a Kitty, you know, uh, uh, Kitty Jeb with uh, someone who wants to be more mature because he realizes on some level that Carolyn mm-hmm. will not accept him unless he gives her a more mature love. So that's mm-hmm. what he really tries to strive for. And I think that's why he repeats himself. I love her. I love her over and over. Like it's like West Side Story, you know, I love her. I need her, you know, that kind of thing. And well, I mean, and Carolyn's just walking around in denial, even though everything points <laughs> to Jeb killing her father and everything. But it's like she's still not getting it. How do you like that? Dying with that goofy freaking look on his face or poor dad. I was telling Vicky, what do you think, Keith? I I think that's Rhesus Sardonicus, which is the uh, smile right after rigor takes place. Yeah. 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 Yeah, And that's where like the Joker's smile comes from. That's it. That's it. That's it. And uh, also one of the reasons people thought 
They, say, they, 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 they made that so I don't know. I guess that's where the some of the vampire legends came from too, from the old country. Because when your skin pulls back in rigor, you get really toothy, yeah. and they thought they right, were vampires. Yeah. Right. Well, right. I I deal with a condition at work called scleroderma, and basically what that is oh, is that your face turns terrible. to muscle and it pulls it pulls back from your face. So that's the reason why their teeth are always showing as well. Is that still terminal, or do they have things for that? Um, it, well, it does. I mean, eventually, it hardens your um, your mm-hmm. internal organs and stuff like that. Yeah. But there are things that we can. We are, there are things that we can prolong things like with Isoprost and. That's got to be that, an uncomfortable existence. Uh, I mean, a lot of. I mean, there's a lot of kidney dialysis and a lot of things that have to go along with it as well. But we're the scleroderma center for Europe, so that's what we deal with. But it has that same. But it has the same kind of effect that. Like rigor mortis does that we were talking about, where mm-hmm. everything just pulled mm-hmm. back, sort of thing. Yeah. I didn't even know if they knew that that was a smile. I think they just uh, got uh, Dennis Patrick back. Hey, you want to let's take a quick picture of you smiling like that? You can get a hundred bucks or something. <laughs> uh, but uh, you know, but it was uh, almost like didn't they do that almost with uh, Isabella Hoops when she played Edith as Quentin in eighteen ninety seven? Yeah. I think they did a similar thing with her. Yeah. 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 She just, yeah, yeah. I mean, here's something that you can tell to Sharon that every time Jeb pops up in the air, um, just say to Sharon, go, oh, look at those Lionel Blairs. <laughs> Lionel what? Blairs is right. Look at those Lionel Blairs, which is Lionel basically Blairs. rhyming slang for flares because he's always wearing his flares. <laughs> I have to tell her that. Lionel Blairs. Lionel Look Blairs. at his Lionel Blairs because that means it's flares. And I have to say, Jeb is, I think Jeb is the only guy wearing flares. He's wearing his jean flares, isn't he? Which is very big at the time. Listen, I'm just trying to get over uh, Janners a- and, uh, and uh, what's that? What's that? Uh, jammy bastards and stuff. <laughs> but Lionel Blairs, okay, that's a new so one. So the Naga people have totally gone the way of just, they've just, but they're gone. The, 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 well, he, he they broke were, down. Uh, well, yeah, he brought basically when he broke the altar, which I really like. I like the breaking the well, the altar, but the altar breaks down and stuff. I thought that right. was done really effectively. Well, but I then it's so. like, and all of a sudden, it's like everyone's memory is kind of white. They don't remember anything. Like Elizabeth doesn't remember Leviathan. That's right. Or, as soon as that happens, they all uh, they all lose whatever because the Leviathans are now destroyed. And, so it's like it never happened. And Carolyn's nightmares stop at that point as well, don't they? Mm-hmm. I think so. Well, now okay, so. a little disappointing though. Even though you know, she's had a few more though. She's dreams of Jeb dying. Yeah. Oh, yeah. She's yeah. The, that, that sky pushed Jebba off the uh, Widow's Hill. Widow's Hill. Why does everybody go to Widow's Hill? I mean, have. it doesn't have a good mortality rate for tourism, that's for sure. I know. That's why they never <laughs> made does, a uh, survey. I think it doesn't look very picturesque either. So it doesn't look like a place that you want to sit there and like take in the scenery, does it? But, I don't think you're going to find it on page one of the California of the Collinsport Chamber of Commerce. No, uh, you know, let, let's put it that way. But what I want to say Ghost about Humbert Allen, Humbert Allen Australia once again does one does one of those he starts one of those beautiful things. But the writers were punking out, and he used that. Uh, I, I I call upon the. Uh, I, I call upon the stars that rained at, on my beginning. 
That has been done by Lara Parker. That has been done in 1968. Mm. There's no really new dialogue that you would really want to, you know, that you would that you would really get a kick right. out of when he does that. And so that's a little bit of a disappointment. Any mm. good Dark Shadows fan can realize is that he's really repeating uh, that he's really repeating spells here, and. Um, yeah, how really are they going to, it would be interesting, yes, you see the light, the, the bright light on the altar, and then all of a sudden you see bricks falling on the ground. I would have hypothetically loved to see the whole thing crack, you know? Yeah, and, and explode outwards. But they didn't, but they, but may, I guess they didn't have the money to do that. because mm-hmm. you I thought also, they did a good job, though. Oh no! It was, no, it was fine. Yeah, it was, it was fine. It was fine. I'm just. I mean, little... I find I find it a bit weird that like Elizabeth and some of the other people don't remember the Le- the Leviathan at all, but then you got other people who remember it. So that that was a bit funky. That okay. some people remember after the break of the altar, and other people have totally lost their memory of it. So that was right, a, right, that right. wasn't very consistent, which is kind of bizarre. Exactly. Do you think if you were Leviathan and all the Everyone, should, everyone should lose their memory, or just, or everyone remembers. It's got to be one or the other. You can't have just some of this and some of that. Exactly. Sort of thing. But, but it's a nice and, and and even so, even though the 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 thing cracks, it's still not the end of the Leviathan because Nicholas is killed. I don't know if it's this scene uh, or or another. And so I'm not going to mention. Is uh, I don't think we're no, we're not talking about that in this scene. So we'll talk it in another mm-hmm. one. Uh, but I, I think that this, this has a kind of a, the, the love. Well, I mean, Nicholas the, does die because he died. It does end up in this block, doesn't he? It's at the end of the, oh, the last. In this block, but where, not in scene two, but not in scene two. Yeah, no, not in scene two. That's why I don't want to part of the Leviathan It's definitely been one. a huge disappointment to his master. Oh, don't even, oh, his master is going to have a special room in the ninth circle for him, believe me. Uh, but I think there is, and maybe I'm getting too philosophical here, but I think there's an element with, with Carolyn and Jeb, there's a West Side Story element here, uh, that Carolyn is the human, Jeb is not the human, it was the you know the equivalent of trying to get one to fill the other, and then even when Jeb becomes the human, it's not going to be for long because Angelique is after him, and that's why she starts the the minky on him. I call it the minky, the little the minky. Uh, uh, the, the paper towel <coughs> cutout, uh, mm-hmm. and Nicholas is Nicholas is pissed because he feels that. Jeb, Jeb ruined his, all, all his plans. And uh, so he's after him. And so he's got all these things coming from the other side. And But he married Carolyn. And everybody's looking at Carolyn and saying, what's the matter? What's wrong? What's going on here? You should be happy. You're married. Oh, my God. He must have taken her to 20 hotels. I know. That has to be. It's like, but I can sit there and say this is probably the first time in Dark Shadows history that we know that two people actually consummated their relationship. Well, yeah, I guess. <laughs> well, they were. Well, no, it's, it's the first. It's the first time we've seen two a couple in bed, in bed together, together, right? With right. their with their clothes off. I mean, he's got his shirt off. She's covered right. up. You know, she she's covered up to her breasts, sort of thing. So you yep. can tell that she's not wearing a top, right? So right, right. this is probably I the first tell. consummation looking, in Dark Shadows. Well, it's the first consummation that we've seen on screen and in, uh, in Dark Shadows. But he's right. driving her crazy. 
if she spends half a night and then she has to move to another place and then they stay there for a day. And as soon as, and as soon as sometimes only a couple hours because of that, because of that paper cut out of the Casper or whatever the hell it is. That's the minky. I call him the minky. The minky. Sharon and I call him the minky, uh, which is the, uh, the, what's him call it? The pink Panther equivalent of monkey. But uh, it's a, it's a real, it's, my God, I mean, what exercise do they get? You know, they don't have to go to a, they don't have to go to a, He doesn't a, handle, he doesn't handle crises well, does he? He doesn't handle it at all. Uh, <laughs> and he's going nuts. And Roger didn't like him anyway. So Roger's like, what the heck? Roger. Roger just disgusted with everybody in this block. <laughs> but he has, but he has more screen time. Well, he goes away and he comes back to this. So it's like every time he comes away, he comes back to like more Some bullshit's mayhem. happened. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Poor Roger. But, but, Should never go to Boston. I know. <laughs> but but he, but, he, but he has a good. Uh, there's some good scenes with Elizabeth, and uh, he makes up and, and there's his and there's his cracks about. Uh, he has a great crack, uh, and I'll remember it in a half. I'll probably put it on my bloopers. There's a great crack about, uh, to Roger, uh, to Liz about uh, about about Chris, uh, an, an itinerant uh, ne'er do well who does something with you know, but, but, he, but he's really so. The writers are on the on the ball there. Violet. I wish Wells. they would do something with Chris and and Quentin though in this block, just that they identify as family somehow. Yep, yep, and that doesn't happen. I know, Actually, and it really. Well, I mean, me. the, we we are dealing with dark shadows that basically, if you're not listening to every line, you you could get slightly lost because basically they do identify everything, but they do it in such a quick, fast, fast pace. There's like, whoa, it's like like you know, the like Victoria's death. It's like if you weren't listening to that one line, you would you you know you would never have known. How can you even though approach that? And this is one line I do remember where Julia says. This is a house of lives. And the only way we're going to get them close to the truth is by keep lying. And I'm like, yeah. <laughs> how the heck are they going to ever get to start telling the truth? They keep lying to each other. Julia, it, it, that was not one of Julia's finer moments uh, as a psychologist to say, the only way you're going to get people to tell the truth is lie as often as they can. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, uh, but that's, but that goes, but it's true. It's a house of lies. And mm-hmm. we love dark shadows because of the ways in which the lies interplay with each other and, uh, right. and, and then, uh, forced responses and reactions of the characters who manipulate, uh, that kind of thing. The only problem, the only problem yeah. that I do find with it though, that, and I, I, I think, I love the writing and this is, you know, this is just nitpicking, but I find that when they get things too tangled up, what they tend to do is start another storyline and then we forget about anything that actually happened. Right. You think that's deliberate. You think that's deliberate. You think that's, I, I think, well, I think what happens is that, you know, with the Leviathan storyline and the Carolyn and Gemma, it's kind of all tied in together, which I was really, really enjoying. And I thought they were doing a fantastic job. But sometimes I think they were listening too much to the fans. Yeah. And sometimes, you know, because as soon as Barnabas turns into a vampire bat and then it's like, you can see where things are going and this is like becoming really interesting. And once Barnabas gets vampire bat bitten and then we're going now and now we're going now we're starting to go back to where we were before. And it's kind of like, 
It would have been nice if they if they let the I think what happens is if Dan Curtis let the writers just do what they wanted to do. Mm-hmm. I don't think we would have what it is, but I think Dan Curtis. I think there's or it might not have been Dan Curtis, but someone was coming in going, "Oh no, this is not going the way we wanted to." So we want you to do this, and then the writers are scrambling around. And then because they're scrambling around and going back and okay, well, we need to do this then. If this is what you want, we'll do this. And unfortunately, that takes whatever ideas they were having and kind of dilutes them. So basically we have there's no way they can there's no way they can finish off a storyline that they wanted to finish off because they're going they're having to go back again. But they like the Peter Bradford and all the other stuff. Right. And that was and like I said, that was a kind of an anachronism and that shouldn't have been in there. But one of the things I it would have been more interesting if they brought Trask back and had Trask do the part where he's coming back to come after Jeb because Jeb is the Satan character. That's a great that would have made more sense. That's a great you idea. Know. I don't know what the hell was going on there, but again, well, uh, he could have been Curtis busy on Broadway have, or something. Yeah, he was so. busy, and Curtis wanted to have uh, wanted to have Roger, Roger Davis on. But I do think there's a difference here when Barnabas now reverts to the uh, Jeb vampirism, uh, in that he he's is more really hungry, struggling. Yes, he's hungrier, but he's really struggling with it. He's not yeah. he's not giving into it the way he did in the first year, and you know. Well, this brings us to scene three, Barnabas' vampire curse. Uh Julia begins injections in the hope of curing Barnabas of his vampirism. Barnabas again bites Megan. Megan is a vampire, attacks her first victim. After Julia's last injection, Barnabas feels a desperate need for blood. Mm -hmm. So so we do get a more... We do get a, a, a more interesting Barnabas this time That's around right. as the vampire. He is he is very very sorry about what he has to do, and and this is probably the height of the sympathetic vampire that the fans love. And uh, you know, every time he bites someone, oh, why did I do that? You know, that kind of thing. Or they come they keep to him. coming over to his they house, keep coming over to him. That's right. <laughs> it's like leave him well, and he's going. He bites. Away. What's her name? He bites. What's her name? Chris's girlfriend. Sabrina. Sabrina. Yeah. Sabrina. And she's like, whoa, this is great, Barnabas. You no more. He's like, you're sexier than Chris. I'm going to have a bit of you. Yeah, you the man. Because uh, Lisa Richards, who played Sabrina Stewart, was quoted. uh, They had a birthday party for her, which is on YouTube. And she was and they asked her about that bite with Barnabas. And she said, finally, I got to be bitten. Boy, that was great. She was like almost like like in an orgasm over the damn thing, you know. I, I mean, you know, it was really she was really like kind of and he bit her twice, and so she was getting into it. It's, it's getting she, it's kind of like I've I've finally been bitten on the show. I've attained status, you know, as a stardom or something like that. Well, so, I also have to say about Sabrina is that from her first time that we see her to where we are now, what a character growth we got with her. Oh gosh. She's interesting. She went from being like, oh, what the hell was this? To God, she's quite interesting now. There's something really interesting about her. She went from paraplegic, who who stuttered and couldn't talk. gray hair. She had awful hair. Don't forget the awful hair. hair. In the wheelchair. In the wheelchair. And she went from that to, uh, well, she got a new hairdo. And uh, she was really a, uh, she really, the inner light in her showed. And uh, Uh. And, and the question I have, because she obviously wanted to marry Chris, could they really have made that work out? I have a feeling 
that they might have, it's only once a month, you know, or maybe for a couple of days. Get well, him. I mean, she's got, she's got her once a month's curse and he's got his. <laughs> <laughs> they both got way. a curse that comes around once a month. I thought it was that way. <laughs> Boy, she's aged rather well, too, Lisa Blake Richards has. She's still quite an attractive lady. And by the way, the moon poppy <laughs> stuff, that is a direct ripoff of uh, Werewolf of London. London, yeah. I was going to say, I remember, I could now that you mentioned it's like, yeah, and I remember it now. I the knew bloom, I heard it from somewhere. Yes, yes. Henry yeah. Hall and Warner Oland, 1935. <laughs> And uh, and oh, they even steal from the Cheney Wolf Man. Yes, the man who is pure yeah. heart and says his prayers by night. I'm saying, oh my God, oh my God, they must have they must have pulled on uh, to see the Wolf Man at night. Uh, and I I I'm I'm sorry I didn't see Maria Ashkenskaya uh, run her way in and do a little imitation there. You know, the way you walked was thorny through no fault of your own. But as the rain enters the river and the river enters the sea, so man's tears must fall to a predestined end. All right, and that and that in the do- and that in two thousand seventy five cents gets me in the subway. But uh, I, 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 I mean, but, but the, that, I mean, the only problem with the only yeah, the, the only problem with Chris Jennings anyway in his storyline is that his him and his werewolf storyline are only used as plot devices, so they never really develop anything past that. Mm-hmm. And you think, okay, they're going to develop this. Oh, look, oh, here he is again. They're going to develop this into something, and then it's nothing for a while. And then they bring him back, werewolf storyline, and they're going to develop, and then they don't. And yeah. that's, that's why I find with his, and it's quite sad because his character is quite interesting beyond yes, the werewolf. Very, thing. very interesting. I wish they'd do more sure. with it or did, I should say. Yeah, I wish. Because sure. even like his relationship with Carolyn is like, <gasps> nothing. And now we've got Sabrina. So, I mean, you know, this is still going on, but. We're going into, well, we might as well go into this new storyline from Lovecraft to Rebecca de Mornier, which basically in the room in the closed off East Wing of Collinswood, Barnabas sees a strange vision. Julia tells Barnabas about Professor Stokes' theory of parallel time. Unable to enter the parallel time room, Barnabas finds a book thrown from it. Stokes warns Barnabas about the danger of parallel time. Barnabas sees counterparts of Roger and Carolyn in the parallel time room. Roger seems to sees himself in parallel time. Barnabas enters the parallel time room successfully, which we know this is all going to go wrong. In parallel time, Barnabas learns that Maggie Evans is Quentin's new bride. Maggie realizes that Quentin's son Daniel resents her. Um, Julia is now Mrs. Danvers. And Willie claims Bar- chains Barnabas back into his coffin. So, so now all this yeah. stuff with Sabrina and Chris and all the other mm-hmm. stuff, the reason why I just went into that is because is this going to still, you know, when we go back into regular time, is any of this stuff going to matter anyway? Because they might be just forgotten about, which I guess we'll see. Because now that we're in parallel time, yeah, this is yeah. now where we are now, isn't it? That's so. right. Well we're, going, well, we're getting there. And what I like, <clears throat> and what I like is the gradual way they're introducing this to the fans. Because yeah. this is really a... <clears throat> this was never tried on. This was tried on. I after, let's see. Uh, Outer Limits had an episode called "The Parallel," or was that the Twilight Zone? One of those. 
Uh, there was uh, uh, there was a Roy Thins movie, uh, but there were very few. There were very few uh, parallel time movies in the uh, 1960s, um, except for I think, like I said, I think Rod Serling. Uh, Rod Serling did it in one of the hour episodes. And mm. so this is the first soap opera that ever dealt with parallel time, period. And, and, and I think this was, this was, I think the, the writers correctly realized that this was something that unless you read sci-fi and unless you read, uh, you know, alternate universe stories, uh, they're not going to get it. So they really started, I think, slowly as Barnabas discovers the room and then realizes that he's got these. Okay, so you've got, as I say, Julia in parallel time is Hoffman, actually. And you're going to see that. And she's the uh, she's Rebecca. She's the servant to Angelique. Um, she never became a doctor. Um, Willie is William Hollingshead Loomis, author, uh, very educated very educated William, mm. as opposed to the high Barnabas, you know, uh, that we see in that art. In a very loveless marriage to Carolyn. Yes, yes, absolutely. Kind of, you you know. think? <laughs> oh, yeah. And well, looks, you know, and great Nancy Barrett. She looks like a, she looks like middle, middle-aged, unhappy, sad, you know, that kind yeah. of thing. There's no, there's no perkiness to the Carolyn and the beauty that you see in our Carolyn. This woman is this woman is uh, cynical, dejected, sad. I don't know what they did with the makeup on. Well, because everybody's always having the big love fest for Angelique. Everybody That's loves yeah. her. Well, Angelique, I mean, I think so far. I mean, this is just starting for us. I think that right. the, I hope that they do because I mean, basically, this is the Rebecca storyline that basically Quentin is basically the husband who's married the ingenue who's coming to live under the ghost of Rebecca. And Mrs. Danvers is the basically the housekeeper who's in love with th- that Rebecca does no wrong. And that's pretty much the storyline that we're getting using Colin's right now. Sport. But I will tell you But I hope that they use Angelique like Alfred Hitchcock used Rebecca, that even though Angelique is dead or Rebecca's dead, that basically Rebecca's still alive through the eyes of everyone else sort of thing. Do you know what I mean? And I, I hope, don't want they're, to give I hope it away. they're clever with it. I don't want to give it away, but there's going to be a separate plot from Rebecca and that's going to be involving Angelique. And there are going to be mm-hmm. a couple of things that you might be a little surprised to see. Uh, and, uh, but right now we're just, you know, Elizabeth looks the same so far. Uh, Roger is uh Roger is a bachelor who's uh Well, they played been... her clothes down a little bit. Elizabeth, they don't got her dressing as... Well, because remember, Quentin is the master of Columbia. Right. Yeah. yeah. And he's been away and he's going to come back. Uh, so <laughs> so she is... Uh, and it's interesting. I like to do what is Quentin's Elizabeth's sister. I don't remember. Uh, of course... Yeah, we, we haven't really got what the, where, what the family dynamics are. She's how the relationship are we at. Though. It's fascinating to see. I like it. We discover them, and how different they are from the column we know. And the most important thing is, is that in this parallel time, Barnabas Angelique, the the Angelique of seventeen ninety five, never appeared. Barnabas married Josette, had kids, uh, had a normal life, and died in eighteen thirty. 
And Willie William wrote the life of the life and death of Barnabas Collins, a book, and the book was somehow thrown out of the of the uh, of parallel time into the real time, and Barnabas was able to pick up, and then he goes to Professor Stokes, who then uh, explains it to him. And the and one other thing I want to mention is I was very surprised, Roger. Our Roger seems very interested in parallel time to an extent mm-hmm. that I've never seen any kind of academic interest from Roger on the show. He's usually, he's usually ranking out on everybody and uh, running after David the monster. And, and he's a businessman, but here he's really, really, they have Louis Edmonds really being engulfed in the parallel time thing as we see it in this scene. And I, and I just thought that was kind of interesting. And it doesn't seem to be, and I also think it's, you know, quite interesting that we're going back into gothic storytelling is what the show started out to do anyway. Mm-hmm. So it's mm-hmm. quite interesting that outside of Barnabas's vampirism, which you know, I'm, you know, in a way, I kind of wish it wasn't Barnabas is um, being thrust back into parallel time. It would be interesting if it was one of the other characters, maybe, mm-hmm. only because he's going to kind of introduce that whole vampire thing because it would have been. But he's now he's locked. I mean, we end this block with him being locked up back again. In the coffin. Locked yeah, up again. And, and P.S. I think Jonathan wanted to take a vacation. You're not going to see him for a while. Well, uh, I think I think it's a good idea because it'd be interesting to see Dark Shadows without that supernatural element for a little while. No, they won't. Yeah, no, no, they won't have that. They, you know, you know yeah. Jonathan took his vacation, and they developed mm-hmm. the story. Or he could have been doing the movie. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm not sure. Yeah, the movie's around this time, isn't it? So, yeah, 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 yeah that's possible. And another thing I wanted to mention is that the devil's mark on the hands of uh, Quentin and Maggie. I know we're going back to a former scene when they were mm-hmm. enamored with each other and Angelique put the, uh, uh, the what do you call it? Uh, yeah, uh, the devil's pitchfork. The pitchfork. The pitchfork. Pitch <laughs> they use that again in uh, the Dark Shadows 1991 remake. Uh, mm-hmm. with I don't recall actors. that. Yep, take a look at it. Take a look at mm-hmm. it. Uh, you'll, you'll see that they do that. There's a lot of stuff that they... Redo. I do not remember and, that. And they may also, and I'm not sure, but they may also have had that devil's pitchfork stuff with Josette and Jeremiah. Yeah, they sure. did. They had that. Yeah. They, did, they had they? that pitchfork. They did, didn't they? That's how they. That's how yeah. they got married, and and then it kind of wore off on their honeymoon. They had to go back and tell everyone that they that's were married. Right. So again, so. ripping off a few years later, figuring fans won't remember it, not realizing that you know, that that serious fans are going to pick this up and say, hey, you know, but that's not to take away from the originality that the show has. I'm nitpicking now, too. Oh, yeah. And, and it's, and it's, it's just, I have to say, when that happened, it was just kind of bizarre. It's like, it would be interesting if they carried it over through, like, a couple episodes, but it was kind of like 10 minutes. It's like, okay. And then they're like, oh, and then it wears off. It's like, okay, well, what are you doing here? Okay, fine. No, oh, I'm going to go off and do my work. Okay, bye. You know, it's like, okay. And then never, right. it's never referred to, but it's never referred back to again. And But because in parallel, all time it doesn't really matter because they're different people exactly so, so uh but, and, oh and we got a, we got a scene i'm sorry to interrupt Keith. we got no, a no, scene of a very short scene of the character that chris pennock plays in parallel time yeah such and a nerd with his nerdy wire glasses he is dr cyrus longworth and there's another plot that they're going to rip off from somewhere. And I'm not going to say a thing. You'll see it when you see it. 
But he's still wearing his Lionel Blairs. He's still wearing his Lionel Blairs. <laughs> Lionel Blairs. But uh, there may be a little change to his appearance, and that's all. No, he's not a werewolf. But there may be a little change to his appearance, which you might not, which you'll be surprised to see. And all, and so will the new fans. Uh, and the old fans will be saying, yeah, 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 uh, when we continue. And I'm going to shut my mm-hmm. mouth now. But I, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm quite, I'm intrigued by the parallel time. Mm-hmm. I love it. I love it. When we get to the best storyline and the worst storyline, I'm, I'm going to give it away. I think the parallel yeah. time, even though it's starting to be developed, is the best storyline for me in this block. <laughs> Well, that's where we are at the moment is our best storyline and worst storyline. So why don't you head it off, Tom? Why, Keith, I never thought you'd ask. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. So the best storyline for me, as I said, is the parallel time. Because here, for the first time, as I said, in, in soap opera, episodic television, they are doing an arc regarding a brand new, with the same actors, Say essentially it's a repertory company, but instead of going back in time to characters, now they're going to another universe, playing the same characters who have but today who have been made different who have made different decisions in life, and what would have happened to them, and and it's and it really as we get into it, you know, further, it's really it's really really fascinating. The worst storyline, uh, and as much as I admire Roger Davis, that hanging nonsense. Uh, mm-hmm. with, uh, you know, I mean, David, oh, and I got to say something about David. Looks like he can finally walk again. Did I ever say David was involved in some kind of major accident and he broke his leg? And that's why they had him in a wheelchair for uh, a few months, in fact. He, he, didn't right. the, he didn't show up the show too much. Uh, the only thing I didn't like is they didn't really put the shoe over his toes. So it was a little, uh, you know, but, uh, but well, I couldn't, I mean, I didn't like the simple fact that they were able to get him up and down stairs in that wheel. <laughs> like, in a room, I think like, they did. I think they wiggled him through the, uh, the back, the back or, or something like that. I don't think they took him up. It's just that he's upstairs and you're kind of like, well, obviously there's no, there's no elevator mm-hmm. there. So it's like, and basically it's obviously someone's, Carrying him up and down in his wheelchair because his wheelchair is at the top, isn't it? So in his room. Yep, yep. So they took him through the back. And uh, finally, he does. um, And Amy doesn't appear too much in this block, but she's a little meanie when she's under the uh, under the leviathan influence and she plays a couple of tricks and stuff like that right and yeah boy, she have a great a great mean smile you know and she, oh, we want to do something with that kid there is an evilness to her though isn't there i mean there yes. i mean her character is not evil but she does have that look that she could be a, a fantastic evil devil child if she well, remember she's evil. the blueberry in willy wonka she was a little turd on that too Violet, yeah. violet, right? Yeah, but she uh, could be like a great demonic, 
demon child if they you know oh, yeah. if they if, if they, if, if, they gave, if there yeah. was a character like she's not but if they gave her a character like that she could play the hell out of it very well i think may she rest in peace uh i think denise nickerson did a did a wonderful yeah, job we, uh, maybe maybe by maybe at this point the son will want to join us i'm gonna see if i can reach out to him because it mm-hmm. was uh it was it was too early at the time because the mother it's been a couple was, years now over a year yeah, yeah so i think yeah, yeah the wife was very nice to us uh and uh so we'll see so anyway so the best storyline for me is parallel time and the worst storyline for me is uh peter bradford coming back and that whole mishmash about uh which was never explained uh about uh Vicky and uh you know and uh and, and so forth. Um so I personally me. would have liked to think that they'd gone off into the sunset and had a good to. life. They were supposed to they were supposed to go west. What the hell mm-hmm. happened to that? You know? I, I think Dan Curtis asked Victoria um Alexander, can you come back? No, I'm not coming back fine. I'll fuck you off. Fuck you, I'll kill you off. <laughs> I think it just has that feel about it. I'm not, I'm not saying that happened, you know, but it has that kind of feel about it. It's like, fine. It, it sounds as like, it sounds like someone got ticked off at Alexander Moki for something. So we'll make well, it so you never wanted come back. Her, She wanted to play an evil character. That's how it goes. She wanted, yeah. to, she wanted to be a vampire. Curtis said, no, Curtis wanted to typecast her and the, I don't know yeah. what's wrong. And she just didn't want to do it after that. I don't blame her. And, and, then, and, and then, but unfortunately we get this. It's like, okay, fine. I'll kill you off. So you can never come back. I'm not saying I'm not, I'm not saying that happened, but it has that feeling. It's kind of like that happened. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a bit it like, have, um, don't know. well, it's a bit like my friend did a soap opera here and she wanted to leave the soap opera and they didn't want her to leave, but she said, no, I really need to leave. And so they killed her also. She could never come back. Mm. And but she want but she wanted to go that she left so she could always come back if she wanted to. People but, always but come the, back from the but, dead but, on soap operas. But, but, it doesn't matter. But but what I'm saying is the producer was so peeved off at her because he, she was a very popular character and he so basically to get back at her he killed her off to get back. Yeah, but at he was her. cutting his nose off to spite his face, I would think. And, uh, well, you know, but it also affected her as well because at one point she wanted to come back, and of course she can't. You know, but I'm saying that sometimes. Yeah. But when they do that, you know, like if they fade off into the sunset, there's always that opening for them. Sure. But sure. and but normally, but then if something happens, they go also they kill them off screen. You mm-hmm. know, and that's that. There's a there's like this feels like something happens. There's something that went wrong somewhere that. You know why do that? There's no reason to. There's no. There's not even any reason to bring her into it, really. Yeah, sure, sure. You know? I, I'm just going to just make one more comment. Just remember mm-hmm. the parallel time arc. Uh, what you see now is not the only storyline, and that's what I wanted to get into. Uh, mm-hmm. What I just wanted to mention, and we'll see what happens. And what about you? So, Vix, your best storyline and your worst storyline. Worst storyline. Anything with talkative Bruno in it. No, just kidding. <laughs> I'd have to say I got like a little irritated when they went back to the devil's mark on Quentin and Maggie. It's just like we've already done this. Let's not beat this horse to death again. Mm-hmm. You know? Mm-hmm. I just I mean, because Barnabas, I mean, he wasn't even tripping out. I mean, in your, I mean, he wasn't even noticing that Maggie was oh so worried about Quentin and hysterics. It's like well, it was only it was it, it wasn't even a whole episode of it. It was only like a half minutes, an episode, five minutes, precisely. Yeah, yeah. so it's just weird. 
But it, did, it kind of seemed random and out of place. And I still don't know who Angelique was mad at it, but it wasn't those two. She was mad at somebody. Yeah. But, she, uh, was, she, was, she was mad at Sky for lying to her about the, um, you know, his... So I'm going to so take it out on Quentin and Maggie. This is like, yeah. what? <laughs> he was married at and that. Angelique was somebody who tried to find true love. Finally, she was betrayed. I think there was a projection. She looks at Barnabas. Oh, Barnabas did that to me, too. Yeah. And that's where I think it came to the whole thing with Josette and Mary look and Maggie looks like Josette. That's my take on it. Or mm-hmm. simple fact that um Quentin and Angelique almost got married and had a romantic right. past as well. So maybe mm-hmm. there's something that's that's true. I think that might have been mentioned actually. Yeah. That yeah, because been. that didn't that doesn't pan out because doesn't he who's oh god, who's it with he's gonna run off with? But she didn't who's love him, but she mentioned with? that. She didn't. She mentioned she didn't. Yeah, know. but Quentin ends up running off with someone else. They're gonna. Oh no! It's uh, oh, it's what's her name? Amanda, Amanda who died. Amanda. 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 That's it. So that's yeah. it. That was Amanda. Yeah. So so Angelique was gonna marry Quentin, and then uh, Amanda came along, and then all of a sudden, Quentin, yeah. the love of Quentin's life, ends up being Amanda. Then doesn't it? So that's right. That's right. Maybe so maybe out. maybe that's the reason. Or maybe or maybe we're maybe we're just searching for the hell of it. <laughs> Yeah. There's no rhyme or reason. Yeah. But the best storyline, I don't know. There's a lot of good things going on in here, but I like the Leviathan storyline. Mm-hmm. I like I like the Jeb and Carolyn storyline. I thought it was, you know, kind of it was kind of nice to see them get a little more passionate, you know, with some mm-hmm. things and kick up a little more romance. But I mean Bruno though. So I mean someone's got to do something with that man's hair. He's got to. It doesn't matter what time we're in, what storyline. The guy has got a bad stylist. That's just all there is to it. Wait till you see Bruno in parallel time. Very and, and and he's a pianist and a composer in parallel time. And that's still he's a, a penis. Bad hair. Yeah, he's oh, a penis. Yeah, a, a penis. Pianist <laughs> is in Brooklyn. He's still a penis, <laughs> a penis with yeah. bad hair. In Brooklyn, they taught us pianist, but they, you're yeah. probably right. It's pianist, yes. <laughs> he's doing something. He's still a dick. <laughs> no matter what you want to call him. Well, he could be a clever dick, or yeah. <laughs> as they say in England, or he could be. A dick. I've seen dicks all shapes and sizes, but you're the biggest dick I've ever seen. <laughs> well, he could be a dickhead. You know? Yeah. There you, go. there you go. There you go. Well, my best storyline. I love the Leviathan storyline, and I thought that was fantastic. And I'm a very, I very intrigued. Too. But I'm very intrigued by the parallel storyline. I'm finding yeah. it interesting. It's like I'm, I'm my interest is peaks. So I'm I'll be I'll love to see where this is going. The worst is bringing Peter Bradford back because it doesn't make a lot of sense. It doesn't fit any more than the, the, the random devil's tattoo thing. It just kind of there. Well, I just think to get to get back at Jeb, I would I would have preferred, as I said before, maybe having Trask come back to like fight the devil, you know, because he's so pious. And that would have been fun, fantastic to have him back for three or four episodes to try to put an end to Jeb because, you know, whatever, whatever reasons they could have come up with. It's just that Peter Bradford just, you know, he's walking around with that freaking rope around his neck. So I don't know what is he being hanged for what? What, for killing right. Jeb or throwing? Yeah, I mean, he got he got hung again i mean how many times are they gonna kill this guy it's the only way he's ever gonna be hung dear but, <laughs> right. but yeah i don't but yeah it, i i mean it is what it is but it, 
it just doesn't make a lot of sense. And also, it's like, what? So Jeb's running around in 1792 or 1790-whatever. So that doesn't make a lot of sense either because Jeb was nowhere to be found. And, you know, Jeb's not even born when Leviathan show up. So I don't know. Yeah, I mean, that part really wasn't explained, was it? Well, the Leviathan show up. Okay, let's face it. He's back in that time period. Josette commits suicide. The Leviathan show up. They thrust Barnabas back to normal time. Um, and then and then Jeb starts off as a baby and then become and then we see him as he's like five the year old, old, but he's accelerated. Then, yeah, five year old, the teenager, and then adult. So when was Jeb in seven you know what I mean? What did he do the whole baby thing? I don't know. It doesn't make a lot of sense. So no, it is what all. it is. It just it just feels like it was slap dashed in there for, and it doesn't make you know and then it's like why is it there sort of thing. Okay, let's go to favorite and least favorite character, starting with you, Vix. Who's your favorite character and who's your least favorite character? Oh God, I, I they they were all so strong in this, even Bruno. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> with his douchebagginess, you know. But I, I can't. Who do I want? I just, I, I love Quentin in all these episodes because he's, I mean, he's, he's got a chance. David Selby has a chance to show his diversity. But then you got Carolyn, you know. I mean, mm. she's doing a fantastic job, and you know, Maggie's kind of intermittent, but when she's there, she's strong. Um, I'm probably gonna go with. I'm going to go with David Selby in this one because I like that. Well, actually, Chris Jennings, too. Okay, well, I hate when I have to pick one, but I'm going to go with Selby. Chris Jennings is a, is a run-up. Um, Don Briscoe is a run-up. And uh, just because they, they're so strong and they had good writing and they had good stories to follow. And this Leviathan thing involved everybody. So, I mean, everybody really contributed their 100%, I think. Mm. And as far as my worst character, <laughs> it would have to be whoever writes for Bruno and whoever dresses him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, what, and what about yourself, Tom? Who's your favorite character and least favorite character? <coughs> oh, excuse me. Thinking about what uh, what Vicky said. Well, first of all, Humberdown and Estrego, uh, to my mind, did a great. Uh, it was great to see him again as Nicholas Blair. It was great to see him commanding. He is very commanding. Uh, it was, it was, it, he had to admit that he didn't have all the powers that he had. He's saying, well, if I had those powers, well, I've been running after Angelique uh, the way I did, because look what he did with her the first time he made her into a vampire. He did all these things. But Humbert Allen Estrado, despite the fact that they grade him up, you know, probably because he went through hell, literally, for screwing up the first time. And I think uh, that was a message that uh, you do bad in hell, you go great. Uh, but uh, I, I, I really I really liked him. Um, I would give honorable mentions to Don Briscoe uh, because, once again, his, his werewolf spasms are uh, just about you know, are classic. And there was one time when Bruno was saying, uh, now, I don't want you to scream while you're having the spasm. And boy, that was really tough. And he handled that very well. Um, and, uh, and Selby. 
Selby, I Selby, I think Selby had a very interesting scene with Barnabas when he realized when he was told that Barnabas had attacked Sabrina, and and Quint was really pissed off at him. And he goes, "How could you do this? You yeah. know, you're, you're trying to you're trying to help you're trying to help Chris, and you're going ahead." Destroying the destroying the fiance. Did she life? die? Because they cut ahead to the new storyline. Not sure. No, I don't think she's. But she die. goes back and he bites her again. Is that when she goes and collapses in the chair, or is that after the fact? She no, goes well, back. No, she doesn't become a vampire. I know, but she goes no, back we, though. Yeah. Well, no, but the thing is, is after he bites her, and then after that, Barnabas goes into parallel time. Right. So, who knows? so we don't. That's know. right. In fact, the reason he yeah. went into parallel time Just so he, he wouldn't kill her was not only could, could, that he wouldn't kill her, he was hoping that parallel time could make a human being out of him right. by yeah. some magic or something like that. Because it worked so well when he went back to 1897. <laughs> <laughs> not really. <laughs> uh, That's what I mean. It's like. Has he ever been cured of being a vampire? Now, why Whenever he goes hell, back in time. Now, here you go. Why the hell couldn't Angelique, now I'm thinking, why the hell couldn't Angelique do another doppelganger on the guy uh, in, uh, in present time in order to, you know, in order, and then he wouldn't be a vampire anymore. Well, remember that was what was done in 1897 to bring him back? He was staked. Yeah. And, and Angelique did a picture, and Angelique made him do a kind of a screenshot uh, of himself as the vampire. And then she was able to create a normal version of Barnabas. Yeah. And in point of fact, that's what we have now. Can one do- that doppelganger reproduce another doppelganger? I don't know, but they could have done, they could have done everything. Um, yeah. There's so- some, I mean, there, yeah, so, but I, I do think that we're tied into this is what the fans want. So this yeah, is this what, is what the fans with. want, and they yeah, and I mean, this yeah. keeps happening. You know, you know, now they want him as a as a sympathetic vampire, and uh, and the and the intensity of the fact that he can't control himself now, and I must have blood, I must have blood, you know, and, uh, you know. Yeah, they, he's they, a feisty little guy. This, they this really guy love around. that. They really love that about him, and you'll see what happens when he goes into parallel time. Finally, uh, I've already, I already got the gist of it. I'm like four or five deep into it. Okay, he's not going to be chained up in that coffin forever. Nope. Least favorite character, I'm going to say Sky Rumson. I, I just, I just think he was. Yeah, well, you know what? I didn't even think of him. That's how momentous his his. <laughs> His, 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 whatever, his departure is not going to bother me. I will say that. Won't bother anyone, I, I think, and it's especially Angelique, who was happy to get rid of somebody she thought she was going to spend She didn't the need such a life. sappy guy anyway. She's not used to sappy dudes. No. The build, no. Well, unfortunately, the buildup to him doesn't live up to the reality no, of him, was no. it? So there's this, I was kind of expecting up. some kind of Clark Gable kind of guy who was like, yeah, and we and we get a and we get a, and we get a junior banker guy, don't we? Yeah, <laughs> and and that's part of the problem. He is great for a regular soap opera, not for Dark Shadows. No, may he rest in peace because he died a couple of years ago. Uh, and we he uh, aged very well. He's on. I saw him on a recent documentary. Yeah. he oh, was in other stuff. He, he wasn't mainstream. Yeah. There's no doubt that he was good in mainstream. Uh, yeah. So uh, let's not take that away from him. Uh, so that's it for my favorite and least favorite guys. My favorite is I really, I mean, Car- uh, Angelique. 
um, Laura Parker in this segment because oh, she's God, so happy, yes. but but she just gives you know what I love about her. She there there have been so many epi- episodes in this in this block that where basically she just has this just gives people that look and it just kind of makes me smile because it's like yeah. you know like when Sky's trying to murder she goes on like like oh really or yeah. you know or whatever or it's like oh not this again and I, and I like that that she's able to do that like. It's almost like a wink to the audience. It feels to me, it's like, oh, here we go again, sort of thing. And I quite like that because it's kind of like breaking a third wall, but kind of giving fans that kind of look like, here we go again, you know, but being very, very serious about it. And I quite like, you know, I like that a lot. And Carolyn, I thought was fantastic, of course. And I'm going to get my um, memorable mention of Julia Hoffman as Mrs. Danvers <laughs> in the so parallel far. time moment. Because that's brilliant because she's like, you know, Maggie, like, I'll help you set up the party. You just <laughs> call her Hoffman. Remember, she's yeah. going to be called Hoffman from now on. Hoffman. She's Hoffman, yeah, she's Hoffman she's now. Maid. But, but it just, but it kind of, it does remind me of Rebecca. We covered Rebecca in our, in our podcast when we, ago, Alfred, yeah. when we did Alfred Hitchcock season. And I, and I love the Mrs. Danvers character because she's like, you know, you'll never be her. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, but, yeah but then when, then when Quentin's around, she's like, oh, yes, I'll help her out. She's my best friend. And then Quentin <laughs> goes, like, I got you. <laughs> She it's treats funny. her like shit behind her back. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. what I quite like about her. It's like, oh, I'll, I'll, you know, I'll help you. I'll help you do the dinner party. But um, that's I, I love that. So I think she does a fantastic job. My least favorite character has to be Maggie. I'm finding Maggie extremely. It's like the didn't same. Give her a lot epi- to do. Didn't give her a lot to do. I think. Well, it's basically we've been seeing her doing the same thing over With and the over. We have kidnapped well, coffin, you know. You know, this show started in 1966. We're in 1970. Basically, we our character hasn't grown anywhere anyway. The only growth that we've seen in our characters when she, when her and Joe were together, mm-hmm. and that was very interesting. Since that time, we kind of got this wet person. You know, here she is. She's locked in a tower room. Like, oh, here we go again. You know, now, you know, now, you know, and then we get her repeating the Josette storyline sort of thing with Quentin right. thing. It's like, oh, here we go again. And now we got her in this situation and she's just another wet noodle so far in this parallel time. So, you know, I'm only going by for what we've seen so far. But I hope, I hope she, this girl needs a backbone or someone. Or I'm going to go through the screen and just snap her neck, and hopefully that might help. But I and I love I love Maggie. I do love Catherine Lee Scott playing Maggie. But the character itself, I think, is just dull now. You know, I want to see something different. I see there's there needs to be some growth or something new has to happen with this character because. You know, it's a bit like, you know, it's a bit like, you know, pay, uh, we can't say patience, but you know what I mean? But it's like right. it's have, knowing someone who's just a victim all the time. And it's like, okay, after a while, it's, you know, it's fine. But when, when it goes on for years and years and years, after a while, you're just like, I don't want to, please stop coming around to my house. It kind of <laughs> feels that way to me. This may, <laughs> this may actually be a prelude to the final disposition of Maggie Evans in the series, which I'm not going to talk about. But uh, let's all watch and see what happens. But those, those yeah. are very points. Uh, Keith, I think it's the beginning. Yeah. So, I mean, this is, you know, this is where we are at the moment. You know, this, for Maggie at the moment and in, in this block, this why she's my least favorite. So what we're going to do now is we're going to cut to an ad from a new podcast that you should all be listening to. So take it away. I'm Austin Lugo. I'm Andrew Harp. 
This is With Nothing to Say. And let's talk about movies. With over 3,000 films, Log, Andrew, and I, best friends since middle school, have dedicated our lives to watching, making, and talking about movies. Each week, Andrew and I handpick a movie he's seen, I've seen, or neither of us have seen, and dive deep into anything and everything to wannabe cinephils could ever think of. From horror to dramedy, we do it all. So join us as we talk about everything movies, and maybe you too can become a bona fide cinephil. Hello, welcome back to Leisure License Podcast, and this is the end of our um, Dark Shadows, where we covered episodes 941 to 982. Next month, we'll be covering episodes from April 1970 to May 1970, which will include from 983 onwards. Um, of course, next week, we'll be covering our soap. Finish, that will be our second to last episode of soap as we start finishing off that series. And of course, next month, we'll be covering ghost stories, starting with the Japanese horror, Ringu, and the book for our book to screen. Our make remake will be Pulse, the Japanese version, and Pulse, the American remake. And, of course, we'll be covering Lady in White, which is a ghost story starring Catherine Hellman and Lucas Haas, and One Dark Night, who is with our, one of our favorite actresses, E.G. Daly and Meg Tilly. So it's we good night for myself, saying good night, Vicky. Good night, everybody. Y'all take care good, of each other. Good night, Tom. Pleasure, uh, as usual. Good night, everybody, and stay, still stay safe. And we'll see you next week with Soap. And may remember to go from book to screen for Wingru, the Japanese novel, and Ringu, the Japanese oh, film. Good night, y'all. Keith, yeah. Keith, before yes. I go, I just want to. Um, the Dark Shadows world was uh, very sad to lose uh, the significant other of Nancy Kersey, who is a uh, Dark Shadows fan. Nancy Kersey is a Dark Shadows fan. She. Uh, handles the Jonathan Frid uh, website uh, online, uh, as well as a couple of other things. She was very fortunate enough to be a, a dear friend of Jonathan and uh, worked with him during his one-man shows and uh, also helped in the construction of Manhattan Shadows, which was the first Northeast Dark Shadows convention back in the 80s. Uh, Nancy's significant other, uh, Karen Fry, otherwise known as Kay Fry, succumbed to cancer last week after a long battle. Uh, major condolences uh, and uh, may Kay's memory be a blessing. Uh, Thank you. Thank you. And our prayers and thoughts are with you, Nancy. So it's good night, everyone, and we'll see you next week for Dark Shadows. Good night, y'all. Ask what for you say it isn't anything. But I'm not sure something underneath the skin won't let you be and try to keep it. But I can see the woman before me must have been hard on you. Cause that hurt in your eyes, I never put you through. Sometimes I think you must be talking to the woman.
It's in your 